Hi, welcome to the Bucks Report podcast. Thanks for tuning in. We're really glad you're here because this podcast is designed just for you, Bucks fans everywhere. Now let's go straight to this episode's Bucks Report host. Hey everybody, welcome back to another Bucks Report podcast. I'm excited to be back. I'm back from vacation. The podcasts are back. My shows are going to be back. It's going to be a lot of fun. I, uh, my name is Rick Hughes. I host the Bucks Report show on Monday and Friday nights at 9 o'clock. And at 8.30 on Saturday nights, things get a little crazy with what's cooking in the South. That's the intersection of food and football. So uh, check those shows out live on Facebook and Twitter and I don't know, YouTube and anywhere else you can probably live uh, Twitch and just all over the place. So uh, today's podcast is going to be a little bit different. It's going to be a whole lot of fun. We've got a lot to talk about. I mean, the Bucks have been pretty crazy with uh, with with some news coming out or some some, you know, it's the peripheral news, guys. Let's be honest. This is the these are the dog days of the offseason uh, when the big news is Tom Brady admitting that he was confused on fourth down on a blunder in Chicago last year. It's a slow news week, but there's still plenty of stuff to talk about, like uh, the voluntary camps that are going on and Bruce Arians and everything he has uh, he has discussed regarding some of his running backs showing up or not showing up and some of his other players showing up or not showing up. That's all been news, and we'll get into a lot of that later. Um, we've got a couple of guests on the first one that I want to, uh, that I want to bring on is, uh, not only a guest, but I count to be a very good friend of mine. Uh, probably the first person who introduced me to the term super fan and, uh, someone who through many, uh, well, well, I'll let him explain some of this, but he's experienced being a fan and being with fans and working with fans uh, on pretty much every level, mostly Buccaneers fans, but not only. I met Mark Goodman, our next guest here. Mark was the uh, was the leader of the Grand Poobah, the 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 big cheese for the. Uh, Atlanta Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan club, the ATL Bucks fan club, uh, back in the day when I lived in Atlanta. And it was a, uh, we had a great time at all of these events. And, uh, Mark was the guy that sort of ran the show. And, uh, I'll say had a, had a major impact on, on how I view the game or ways that I view the game and, or with whom that I watch the game. I mean, he's a lot of fun, great guy. Welcome to the podcast, Mark Goodman. Oh my goodness, what an intro. I don't know how to follow that. Thank you. So good to be here with you, Rick. And you're doing just a great job with Bucks Report. Thanks for all that you do. Yeah, it's great having you. Great, great having you here. Uh, give everybody a little bit of a quick background on you and your, I'm going to say, experience, not just as a fan, but with fans. Absolutely. As, as uh, anybody knows me, my passion is not just about the Buccaneers as a team. My passion is about the fandom, about bringing fans together. And that's one of the great, great, great things about sports is that somehow or another uh, sports uh, tailgates, food, drink, breaks down barriers and gets people in conversation, black, white, Christian, Muslim, gay, straight. Can we take a break from it all and get in conversation? And that's what I love about this. So 
Um, yeah, I moved uh, from Tampa Bay to Atlanta in 03, looking for that great Bucks fan club that we can have a great time together. And uh, it didn't exist. Uh, others before me had had something going in Atlanta and then uh, left and it just kind of died off. And so decided to start something and uh, looked up and atlbucks.com was available. It just seemed like the right thing to do and started off. And Rick, as you know, it, it, it's just, it really just took off. Uh, three weeks, four weeks after getting it started, we had our first tailgate. Because as you know, the Bucks come to Atlanta every single year. And we had over a hundred people. And that since grew and grew in the 12 years or so that we that ran the club. Uh, any of you that have come to Atlanta have probably been to one of the tailgates. Um, just hundreds of people. Last one, six, 600, hosting the tailgate for 600 people. And yeah, that's, that's just amazing. Yeah. Um, and then bringing others together. Um, so I started a group called Unity Tailgate. Um, that's also at unitytailgate.com and bringing other fans of other teams together. So I reached out to all the leaders of all the other fan clubs of different teams here in Atlanta. And we started having tailgates. And the first one, we had over 1,000 people. The next one, we rented the amphitheater, and we had over 3,000 the tailgate. And then it led up uh, to the day before the Super Bowl here in Atlanta. We rented the Georgia International Convention Center to host the world's largest indoor tailgate, where we had 8,000 people. So, uh, yeah, I put on some pretty big tailgates, at least back in the day. Yeah, 8,000 people. Yeah, it's kind of a... It's a bit of a tailgate, you know, from, from yeah. I mean, 100 people three weeks after starting an idea is pretty amazing. 8,000 people, period, is phenomenal. And um, I know you've, uh, like, when you think of the, the term super fan, you and I have had discussions about this and what's a super fan versus other fans and, and uh, you know, fans that, that dress up and fans that just go to the game um, are are some better fans than others. Look, I think of a super fan is not necessarily uh, may or may not wear an outfit, may or may not paint the face, may or may not um, uh, be the highlight at the stadium. The super fan to me is just simply that is the interaction between the team and the fans to encourage more fans to become a fan and to be a better fan. It's about good sportsmanship. It's about fellowship of fans and it's about charitable contributions. And those items make to me make a super fan. But Rick, I know you, you how you feel about this as well. One of the things that bothers me in often in fandom is this hierarchy that somehow right. if I, I'm a big fan, I, I'm a better fan. I'm a diehard fan. You know what? I could give a damn whether or not you're a diehard fan or not. It really, uh, how long you've been a fan. Um, do you remember Rick? It, it wasn't that long ago in our stadium. We had blackout after blackout after blackout. Right. Why did we have blackouts, Rick? Because we didn't have enough fans in the stadium. Oh my goodness. <laughs> And the very same people now that are screaming diehard fan, all these bandwagon fans, or when we were some of the biggest ones that bitched about the blackouts because we didn't have right. enough 
fans in the stadium. That's exactly, you know, that, that's <laughs> funny that you say that because that's exactly what we bring up around here at Bucks Report is we don't understand the complaints about everybody saying, oh, you're just a Brady fan, not a Bucks fan. Awesome. Brady's our quarterback. Welcome. Welcome I mean, aboard. <laughs> Come on. Look, I get it. You know, we're, we're on a great wave right now. And look, let's not kid anybody in football. You go up and down and it will have tough times ahead. And I don't want to get too far in that because I want to enjoy the hell out of what we got right now. <laughs> <laughs> But let's be real about it. And, and, and a lot of these fans are going to drop off, but some of them are going to stick. And yeah. I think that's exciting. And let's face it, a stadium, a tailgate, a, 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 an experience of coming together is a lot more fun when you have a lot more people yelling and screaming. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And and the unity part of things that you talk about, I've seen, I've been to, I remember the first unity tailgate that I went to that you did. I don't, I don't remember if it was the first one or not, but uh, I mean, I, I remember going to this and seeing all the tents set up from all the different teams. It was in this park and Mark had set this up. And then everybody, by the end of the day, there's the, he had set it up where there was a um, cornhole competition and all the people from different teams are playing against each other just to see which team's going to win the tailgate competition. I mean, the the cornhole competition. And everybody's walking around. You, every tent brought food, for, like, representing their area. And you'd walk from tent to tent and try food from different places and different things. And it was this, just this great experience of just everybody there having a good time. And, of course, as always, you get a couple of people who drink a little too much and cause a little bit of trouble. But in general, not that much. And all the other fans sort of policed it and handled it and took care of it. And that's that's part of the whole fan experience. And and I can tell you it's great memories. It's great thoughts. When I, when I think back about those tailgates you put on with all the different teams. And you've got a little saying that that I absolutely love that has stuck <laughs> around about love the fan. Tell everybody about that. Hate the team. Love the fan, right? Coming by and you're wearing a saints outfit. Hey, saints suck. Hey, but you're cool. Come on over. You want a beer? <laughs> <laughs> right. And, and you, what's the beauty of sports is that rivalry, right? If we're playing cornhole, we're playing against each other. Our teams are playing against each other in the stadium. You never want to lose that rivalry, right? That's, that's, would make sports fun. Uh, you never want to lose that, but not about the fan. You look throwing a throwing a beer or or disparaging another fan in any way, shape, or form doesn't make you a better fan. It what it makes you is an asshole. Okay, right. That's what you're, you're not a better fan. You're an asshole. Let's call it for what it is. Okay. <sighs> All right. What makes a great fan? I, I look. I can't tell you the number of times I've been to New Orleans for a Bucks game, and I love. I, a lot of Falcons fans don't feel the same way because there's this weird <laughs> thing going between those that I bothers me to no end. But anyways, you know, I, I wear all these weird outfits. I'm bald, and so I like to wear these weird Buccaneer wigs and stuff like that. And a lot of it because I I'm trying to rev up that rivalry. Right, that's yep. the fun of it. But yep. it'll get. What the hell is this Bucks guy doing this? Where it is? And, and, but usually it's followed with, hey, come on over. You want a drink? And right. it, it's good to have you in our town. 
And, and what a difference that would be for Bucks fans if we could have when we play against the other team, right? Hey, good. Oh my goodness, I can't believe we got a Saints fans coming out. Hey, come on over. Want a beer? Are we treating you well in Tampa Bay? Are you having a good time? And you can well, I will still... tell you, having been to multiple stadiums, I know you have as well. Yep. I honestly think the Tampa fans are more welcoming than I see in other places. I see more infighting with Buccaneers fans against oh. each other. Are you part of my particular sect of Bucks fan? Yeah. Um, you know, the other team, they're, they, everybody's kind of nicer to the other guys, but – yeah, amongst each other, the the, inf the the family infighting, I guess, is the thing that drives me nuts. Yeah, I'm a, our group is uh, is more dedicated. We're more diehard. We are, we are, we are over the other. Look, we're we're part of this family, right? And we can have differences, and that's cool. I don't want to be hanging out with everybody that feels or thinks the same way that I do. Yeah. Um, but let's. What a great chance coming out of COVID to reset this, right? If somehow or another that we could rethink of it, rethink this. Right now we got high five atrophy. Right. Right? I, I'm afraid I'm gonna pull a muscle the next time I'm at a tailgate <laughs> here. Go to give a high five because I've you know I've gone a year and a half without being able to do that. Right. But what a great time to reset this and say, look, you know, that uh we're in this together. You know, a lot of that during COVID was a bunch of BS because we weren't in this together. We were all isolated, but now we're as Bucks fans, can't we are in this together? Um, yeah, I think that's, that's a, it's a, that's a great point to make now is it is a chance for everybody to come together. And if not now, when are you going to come together? If it's, not now? <laughs> you know, part of the reason I'm bringing all of this up about fans and want to talk so much about fans is because the NFL has, Basically announced, okay, guys, we're wide open, full stadiums. Bring it. We're back 100%. Stadiums know. are going to be packed. 30 out of the 32 stadiums are uh, are going to be jam-packed. And, uh, I mean, are, are I got to ask you, are you planning on going down to Tampa for one of the games this year? Absolutely. Yes, sir. I'm awesome. not, sure, not sure which one's uh, yep. as of yet, but I'm not going to miss this. What an exciting yeah. year. What an exciting yeah. year. Uh, finally, uh, the rest of us get to actually watch Tom Brady run onto the field in a Bucks uniform, and that's uh, <laughs> that's pretty crazy exciting. <laughs> uh, absolutely, absolutely. But we're all kind of um, socially rusty, you might say. Yeah. Um, and what a great thing having these stadiums filled again. Uh, I don't get want to get too philosophical on you that what an impact this makes on society as a whole, not just as a Bucks fan or a football fan, but the the impact this hel helps us for healing and to bring us together. I think it can't be uh, overstated. So, Mark, you got a lot going on. Tell everybody a little bit about you. I don't want to keep any longer because I know uh, you are a busy man with many many things <laughs> to do, lots of uh, irons in the fire. So. Tell everybody what uh, a little bit about where they can find you online, or if there's anything you want them to uh, to check out. Absolutely, you know, as as a you know, uh, I, I was inducted in Canton at the Pro Football Hall of Fame in 2011 as one of the top fans, um, and, and you can see a lot of that atlbucks.com. But I've gone quiet the last couple of years, but um, just retiring from being a alleged super fan and being just a regular fan is I moved more into the world of forgiveness. So I focus, I help people on forgiveness. So it's 70x7.org, 70x7.org. 
is where my focus is now in a rebranding of Mark Goodman to spend my time helping people who've been through some really, really bad stuff or holding on to anger, resentment, need for payback. And a big portion of what I did in those tailgates was to have healing from resentments. And so that's really where my focus is at right now is, is path to forgiveness, 70 times org. Awesome. Mark, thank you so much, my friend, so much. Uh, it's great having you here. And uh, I hope you will be willing to come back. See, I didn't keep you too far over. And um, (laughs) now you can get back to all of the other important business. All right. Welcome, John John Ledyard. John Ledyard is the uh, beat writer for the Bucks at at, uh, Pewter Report. And, John, I have followed your work for a very long time. Uh, I've followed you uh, all over social media. And I appreciate the fact that you are coming on here with us here on the Bucks Report podcast. Tell everybody where they can find you and uh, what the best way is to hear from you. Absolutely. Appreciate you having me on. This is awesome. Uh, you can follow my work over at pewterreport.com, covering the Bucks, covering the NFL draft when that time of the year comes around. And obviously on Twitter at Ledyard, L-E-D-Y-A-R-D, NFL draft. I talk about all 32 teams, the Bucks, other sports, life, love, other mysteries, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Well, uh, okay, so a couple of things I want to talk about real quick. First of all, all the fans are going to be back in the stands, mm-hmm. uh, I guess, unless you're in, where was it, Indianapolis and Denver, but I believe everywhere else I think it is, everybody's going to be there. Uh, packed stands, finally the Bucks are going to, yeah, the fans are going to be able to watch Brady run out of the tunnel. Um, any thoughts on everybody being able to to be back? Well, I think it's going to be – I'm very excited for it. I think the atmosphere – we've already seen it right with NBA playoffs. I mean, the atmosphere having it back, the NHL playoffs, same for the ones that have been um, in the United States. You know, we've seen those games and just uh, the fans, what they add to the atmosphere. Um, Even if the Knicks didn't play well, seeing Madison Square Garden rocking was just awesome. And so, (laughs) oh, I can't wait for that. I can't wait for that in Tampa. I can't wait for that all around the league, just the level of excitement that adds. Can't wait for it in college football. Um, yeah. Obviously, you know, you hope that at that point it, it becomes very safe for everybody to get out there and, and to be together again. Um, but yeah, I'm very, very excited for us to get back to that normal part of of uh, game days. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's it's kind of funny. And if you've been a Bucks fan for long, or but been around the Buccaneers for long, you know the uh, the irony of the fact that the one year people can't go to the mm-hmm. Super Bowl is the in Tampa and Tampa wins <laughs> kind of going into this year, going into this season, as you look and see, I mean, everybody's back. Is there, I mean, is this as exciting as maybe it seems? Oh yeah, absolutely. It should be. I mean, legitimately you don't see roster like this very often with this many holes. I mean, even the Kansas city teams that have been heralded in recent years and done very, very well. It was like coaching quarterback, a couple of these great offensive weapons, yeah, uh, a couple good defensive players like Chris Jones and Tyron Matthew, but like you didn't know, but there were clear holes. It was just a matter of well, I think the Chiefs can work around these holes. The Bucks don't really even have the holes. You know, they just they right. it's just a great roster top to bottom. It's experience. They've played together now for a full season, and a lot of these guys have played together longer. Um, they're well coached. Uh, they're well quarterbacked. They're led well in defense. They have young talent. They have veteran talent. They just have the right mix of everything. They emphasize key positions. Their weakest positions are the positions that matter the least i think um and so they're built the right way they're they're gm the right way drafted uh all of it uh it's 
it's a really great team without many holes. And so if they can stay healthy, I mean, another Super Bowl is absolutely on the table for them. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm I'm pretty excited about it. It's uh it's a little bit crazy to think of uh, a back to back. Uh, the last time the Bucks were in this position, they got destroyed at the end of the year and didn't even make the playoffs. Seems mm-hmm. things things seem different this year. But one thing I want to ask you about is, I, I a year ago, most people don't think about this. The secondary, the Buccaneers secondary, was ranked number thirty two one year ago today. Mm. Now they're talking about being one of the top ranked defense defenses. Is it is, is, I mean, is there really that much of a turnaround? Is that even possible? I think it really depends on what kind of coordinator Todd Bulls wants to be. You know, one of the reasons that I think, you know, there was this big early return, you know, going ahead and out of the, the, of the first season of Bulls in Tampa Bay. And then last year, it just seemed like they got figured out pretty early on and, Everybody was kind of having success against the secondary, against their defense uh, toward the middle portion of the season. And then when they got to the playoffs, they just, I mean, even the end of the regular season, you remember Atlanta let them up twice. You know, they were throwing right. the ball over the yard on them in the last, you know, th- two of the last three weeks of the season. Um, then in the playoffs, it just, there was this just dramatic shift. And it wasn't, it wasn't just everybody just started playing better. It, and there was some of that, but a lot of it was schematically. I mean, they did things differently, they pressed the Saints receivers. Remember, they got worked by Taylor Heineke in, in the first right. round of the playoffs, and they were lucky to survive that. And then, you know, they, it was it was really after that it was like, okay, we're going to go out, we're going to press the Saints receivers, um, we're going to play them tight man to man. That's not something we've done much of this season. Everybody had clamored for it all year. Then you go into Green Bay. All right, Green Bay is going to throw the football. We're up. We're going to go two high safeties. They hadn't been doing two high safeties even when they were up in games. They hadn't done it right. a ton. So we're going to go two high safeties. We're going to play more cover two man. That's something Todd Bulls has played as at a league low rate this season. His throughout his career as a G, as a defense coordinator, like it just so he changed his tendencies and coached his guys well to be ready to change tendencies. And it threw everybody off. They get into the Super Bowl. They're doing a mix of those kind of things, lots of cover two. They're playing three safeties on the field at once. Uh, it's just stuff. They just didn't do that in the season. And it's throwing people off. And so he gets a ton of credit for changing when he changed. Probably should deserve some criticism for not changing earlier in games uh, in the regular season. And which defensive coordinator comes out this year if he's the guy that goes back to you know being a cover three, you know, heavy guy that, that changes it up with man and plays a lot of single high and Teams are going to know how to attack them. They just are. You know, it's so imperative for the Bucks that their secondary and their coverages be very, very, very well coached this year because we know the pressure is going to be good. We know their front four is going to be good. We know Todd Bull's blitz schemes will be good. That's what he's known for. He's always been known for that. If they can be able to handle greater complexity on the back end with young guys, but that have played a lot now at this point, um, so they are pretty experienced, this is going to be a very, very dangerous defense because – all of a sudden, teams that are going to come out this year, there's going to be no doubt about it. They're going to throw the ball start to finish. Bucks have had the number one ranked run defense two years in a row. They've thrown the ball over everybody. They've put up points. Even when their offense isn't clicking, they're putting up 30, 40 points. Um, that teams know what they're up against every week. They're going to come out throwing, taking shots, all of it. The Bucks have to be ready coverage-wise to combat what other teams are going to throw at them, the most aggressive game plans that other teams are going to throw at them if they want to be successful. So that's going to be a huge part of whether the season works out or not. Yeah. Is there going to be much of a Super Bowl hangover that like you see from some teams? I mean, you see BA sending messages, <laughs> I guess, uh, to 
the players about making making right and wise decisions. I think he sent a message pretty clear to Keyshawn Vaughn. I mean, is there going to be much of a of a Super Bowl hangover? I really don't think so. I mean, again, you've Brady quarterback, you've Aaron's a coach. Um, I just really don't think that's going to happen with this group. Um, they're going to be um, very, very focused, I think, and go into this with uh, a lot to a lot to prove. I think they want to prove that they can do this again, and they know the window with Brady's yeah. age. Just you know, being what it is, I think is going to matter too. So, um, yeah, there there is obviously always that concern, but I do think this is a different roster. It's a different. It's led by different people than a lot of those other situations that have happened over, over the years. Yeah, um, one of the things that surprised me, I know Brady came out this week talking about how, yeah, he really he messed up on that fourth down and uh, in Chicago last year, and he was confused and made a mistake, and he had a hard time calling even calling plays midway through the season and everything. And now, now that the uh, you know what's the upside, and I know it's a weird question to ask, mm-hmm. but what is genuinely a realistic? Uh, view of this season, you know, when you, when you look at where, how things are going to shake out in the end, what is realistic? I mean, I I think four losses would be, uh, you know, you depend, it depends on injury and all that. If they were able to stay healthy, I think four losses would be disappointing in some ways. Like, I mean, this isn't the toughest schedule. You have the best team in the league. I mean, easily, you know, top two team in the league. It's, uh, I think that there's a, there's a drop off there. I mean, again, execution wise, you're going to have to live up to that, but yeah, on paper, I mean, it would. This team shouldn't lose four games this season. Right. Um, so that's what I would say. I say, you know, number one seed in the NFC should be the goal and the expectation. You get into the playoffs, yes, you can have a bad game. Lots of things can happen. There's no question. I'm not going to say, oh wow, it's a horrible season if they, you know, don't win the Super Bowl. But that's the expectation. You can't have a roster this loaded, having just won the Super Bowl last year, get everybody back. You know, and not have the expectation be a Super Bowl. It just would be very silly, I think, if it wasn't. So uh, that's what the expectation is. I think it's extremely realistic. Uh, a lot of it depends on what happens with Brady as he gets older. You know, We don't necessarily like to talk about it a bunch, and, and there's no reason to because he clearly didn't drop off last year. But whether we like it or not, eventually the time will come where Brady doesn't play at the same level anymore. Right. It happens to every single person ever play the game. And I know we joke about Brady in other ways, but it, you know, reality is reality. Like it's, it's going to happen at some point. So we've got to be able to take that, consider it as we're making these kind of, as we're you know predicting kind of what's going to happen in the upcoming right. season. But based on everything we know, yeah, this is not a team that should experience significant drop off uh, from last year. They should be in the mix right there at the end. And the NFC might be a little bit weaker this year, depending on what happens with Aaron Rodgers and, you know, than, right. than, than it was last year, even. So um, there will be contenders. There always are, but the bucks are clearly the best team in the conference at this point. Now, when it, uh, let me ask you this about, about new Orleans. Uh, let's look at the, let's look at the enemy. Um I'm going to assume Jameis is going to be the quarterback, which is probably not a wise thing to assume, but, <laughs> but let's go there for a moment. I mean, I, I actually, my, my belief is it's going to be a two headed monster that they run there. Mm-hmm. But if Jameis is the quarterback, is there a new Jameis that we haven't seen or are we going to get to, <laughs> are we going to get a pick six or two? I mean, are what are we looking forward to this year against New Orleans? I mean, there is a different, a dramatic difference in offensive scheme from Arians and even Dark Cutter to what Sean Payton runs, or at least there has been in recent years. Um, Sean Payton has run a lot of a lot of different stuff in the past. I mean, when Breeze was a better vertical passer, they definitely were explosive downfield attacking right. team. 
there's still been a lot of short to intermediate. Let's get our guys to be able to run after the catch type of stuff. Um, there's no question about that. So um, I, 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 w- I would guess that Jameis and Taysom both contribute this season. I don't think they'll put as much on Jameis as a Bruce Aarons or Dirk Cutter offense might have. But I don't know that any of those things are a fix for Jameis. Uh, the reality is that Jameis' issues are you know, pocket presence, decision-making, and to a degree at times accuracy. I mean, those – I don't know how much better those things get. Um, people say, oh, it was such a high degree of difficulty offense and, you know, he threw – it was that was why, you know, he threw so many picks. Well, maybe why he threw 30 picks, but certainly not why he <laughs> threw interceptions. He's throwing interceptions going back to Florida State all the way. So, I mean, right. you have a guy that's just seven years of football on-field experience that is throwing picks at an astronomical rate. It doesn't have anything to do with the degree of difficulty of his passes or the tighter windows – he can't. He doesn't see defenders underneath. He just he doesn't have good field vision. He doesn't make good decisions with the football. It's has nothing to do with oh he's but he's trying all these really hard passes and that's why uh, that's not it. Uh, if you watch Jameis, most of his picks come underneath. They come to guys that should never. They should be you know he should be ruling them out right away. Um, Did eyesight have anything to do with? <laughs> I, yeah, we won't know that part. I mean, again, he gets <laughs> in one game last year, right? One game in the regular season. And he has what, like seven passes, and one of them is directly to a defender underneath, and a guy right. drops a pick. You know, the safety dropped a pick for the 49ers. So, you know, what we've seen, I mean, he took two bad sacks in that game. Taysom Hill also takes bad sacks. They play behind a great offensive line. All those things will help. I mean, I don't think Jameson's going to throw 30 picks again. You know, if he starts right. every game, I don't think he'll throw 30 picks again. It also doesn't mean he'll be as good, you know, and, and a timing, you know, quick game accuracy refined based offense. If that's what it stays as, I don't know that he'll be as good uh, in that. It may be more accuracy and incompletions than interceptions, but I bet he'll still find a way to have enough turnovers to still frustrate you. So, I mean, when Jameis was drafted, I was a big believer. I felt like he had all the talent in the world and it just yeah, hasn't happened. It would be silly for me to say, yeah, this is the year it's going to happen for Jameis. If he does it, Great, but we just haven't seen anything over the course of his career that suggests growth. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. John, you took some time here. You let you indulged my little conversation there about you know who. Thank you. Um, and I appreciate you coming here on the Bucks Report podcast. Uh, and please come back anytime you'd like. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Rick. I appreciate it. Appreciate the, uh, that what you all do and uh, looking forward to doing it again sometime soon. Yeah, you got to go do big, important things at press conferences and things now. So thanks for your time. (laughs) Absolutely. Thanks for having me. (laughs) All right. Have a good one. All right. So, uh, so yeah, I I think that's an interesting conversation about Jameis. He's, uh, I I think it's interesting to, to think about the fact that here's a guy that, that, yeah, is is it, is it vision? I I just can't see how vision caused him to throw it, it. Vision was not impacting his decision, so I don't think it's going to go there. But uh, anyway, I'm there's so much uh, other stuff going on. Please uh, take take a little bit of time and peruse the Bucks Report website, BucksReport.com, because it's been phenomenal this week. This is the dead week. You know, it's hard as a fan. Right about now, we tend to kind of our minds wander off onto other things. We all know the Lightning are in the uh, are in the playoffs, and there's. There's so much other stuff going on, but there's great content on the Bucks Report website. And I strongly suggest you guys go check it out because you're missing some information that's pretty big and pretty important and uh, very interesting, if nothing else. As a Bucks fan, that's not something you want to pass up. But I want to uh, say uh, thank you guys for tuning in to another very special 
Bucks Report podcast. I am back from vacation. I will be back on my shows causing trouble, all kinds of shenanigans, uh, as usual, with the miscreants on Saturday nights and everything else that we do around here at uh, at Bucks Report. So thank you guys for being here. I'll see you tomorrow on the daily update and then on the, uh, the Bucks Report show tomorrow night. You guys, thanks for tuning in to another Bucks Report podcast. Go Bucks!